Praise the Lord. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Well, excellent. It's good to see everybody. Everybody's looking good. Everybody looks happy. Some of you look hungry. I know how that feels. But we're going to be good. We're going to be good. God is so, so good. He spoils us. He treats us good. And uh, we serve a fantastic God. So uh, we are grateful. We're happy. And we are blessed this morning. Isaiah chapter 127, if you would open up your Bibles. and um, Last week I told the first service, I forgot to mention the second service. My wife and I just really appreciate you guys. Uh, you've been so, so good to us. Uh, not only these past few months, but uh, uh, literally all of our Christian life. And many of you have been here for years and years and years. And we just really appreciate you, and I know you've been praying for my wife, and, and let me tell you, she feels it. She feels it and really appreciates it, so uh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm sure she's looking right now, and um, she wasn't awake when I left, and she's probably wondering who dressed me this morning, but uh, I'm okay. We're going to be all right. <laughs> what can I say? This morning, I'm going to be speaking on our makeover. You know, I think we all know since the late 1980s, uh, reality TV has become a very favorite genre on TV. Uh, there's many, many makeovers. We know they've got uh, TV shows on wardrobe uh, makeovers. There's those, you know, the house makeovers. They have uh, uh, face makeovers. Um, some of us need face um, Redos, I guess. Replacements. That's what we need. Face replacements. Uh, there's those on losing weight. Uh, boy, this pandemic has been pretty hard on some of us, hasn't it? I, I think once this is all over with, the producers of that TV show, My 600-Pound Life, is going to come looking for some of us. But uh, uh, it's been pretty rough staying inside and all of that food. and uh, Let's not talk about it. Uh, but I think we can probably relate that there's, um, for all of us, I think there's things we look at in our lives. And, uh, you know, they have those before pictures and after pictures. You know, this is what you look like before. And then after everything's said and done, here's the after picture. It looks pretty good. Uh, I think for us, for every single one of us, there's things that we would like God to do in our lives, isn't there? There's things we're looking at now, and we want God to do it, and we're looking forward to seeing the, the after picture. And God wants to do that in our lives. That's what he's done. He's done it all of our Christian life. And so, um, you know, I, I think everybody is in that boat. We want God to do something in our lives. Everybody in the world, there's something in their lives. They want change. They, they want to have change. But uh, I think as a church and as Christians, we know that, you know, the Word of God tells us that uh, unless God is involved in area of our li every area of our lives, um, we're kind of wasting our time. In Psalm 127, our text this morning, chapter 127 and verse 1, the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless God builds the house, he has to build it. We have to, we have to let him be involved in our lives. And so the first thing I want to look at this morning is a time of renewal. We need areas in our lives to be renewed. You and I cannot experience change. And like I said, 
there's areas in our lives that we want changed. We can't, we can't experience change. We can't experience renewal. We will never experience growth unless we first change our focus. Focus has to be different. And that's what happened when we got saved. We kind of talked about it a little bit last week. We, we need to look at things differently. And so our focus needs to be changed. Our vision needs to be changed. Our mission has to be changed. Our purpose needs to be changed. And that happened when we got saved, didn't it? You know, before we were saved, you know, our mission was completely different than it is now that we're Christians. You know, we'd wake up before we were saved, and, and we all had different desires of what we wanted to do that morning. I remember my, uh, my older brother, he's saved now, but um, before him and I got saved, I wasn't, but he was a heroin addict. And uh, I remember for about a year before we got saved, I wasn't working. I quit my job and just hung out with him all day. And I um, wasn't using heroin and never did. and never had a desire for it, but he did. And some of you may be familiar with that lifestyle. The very first thing when he woke up was, I need to get money. I got to get money. I, got, I have to have my fix today. I, I got to get money. And... I'd spend all day with him as he was trying to get money and, and whatever that meant. And uh, I don't need to get into that. That's not my point. But those of you that came from that lifestyle, you know what they will do to get money. That was the first thing on his mind. Then he gets saved. That wasn't the first thing on his mind anymore. First thing on his mind was to seek and find the face of God and God's desire for his life, what God wanted him to do that day. God started radically changing his life as he did ours. It was a whole new vision. It was a whole new purpose as it was for you and I. It was completely different. Our lives were completely different. What we seek now, what we desire now, what we pursue now. It was a time of renewal in his life and it was a time of renewal in our lives. God is not done renewing. God is not done changing. God is not done. We, we always have fresh revelation. Fresh revelation. It's different. It's, it's, there's always something for you and I to pursue every single day of our lives. Every day. Isaiah may have been thinking along these lines in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. And he's talking about eagles. He says, but in verse three, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, he says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Baby eagles, when they're born, you know, they have feathers, but their feathers that they have are not made for flying. They're not made to soar. They're not made to do what they need to be, what they need to be doing. And as they get older and as baby eagles begin to mature, they go through this process. It's called molting. What molting is is they begin to lose those feathers and they begin to get other feathers, feathers that are stronger. A change begins to take place in their lives. They, the feathers are stronger now. They, these feathers are capable of allowing them to fly, to soar, to do what eagles need to do. And that's exactly what God does for you and I. The same thing happens to you and I. God wants to do a work in our lives. 
And if we begin to work against this process, if these baby eagles resist that process, they'll never soar. They'll never accomplish what they want to accomplish. And for you and I as Christians, God wants to change us. And so there's this time of maturity. There's this time of change. There's this process that we go through. And if we resist it, we'll never grow. We'll never mature in Christianity. We'll never do what God wants us to do. And so we have to allow this change. We have to allow this, pro- this process to take place. And it's never easy. It never is, is easy. Second of all, there's a time of preparation. We know that God offers salvation. We know as Christians that God offers us a new life. We've known that from the day we got saved. That's why we raised our hands when, it, when an altar call was made. And the appeal went out, and whatever was said at that particular moment, it, it, it pleased us. We wanted that. You know, you want a new life. God can give you a new life. I need a new life. God can change your mind. God can change your heart. I want that. God can deliver you from your sin. God, I want that. Whatever it was that appealed to you and I, we raised our hands and said, yes, I want that. But it just didn't stop there, did it? There was a process you and I had to go through in order for that to happen. And we understand now that God just didn't desire to change our life. He wanted to use our life. And he wanted to use our life to make an impact in this world. That our testimony, that our word, that what we had to offer was valuable. Pastor Richard and Sister Nancy, who weren't pastors at the time, witnessed to me. Went over their house, and they sat down, and the moment I walked in, something was different. Something was, couldn't put my finger on it, but I'm going, okay, something's different. What was different is they'd been going to church. And they sat down, and Pastor Richard Salazar said, I I told him, what have you been up to? And he said, sit down, let's talk. Then he witnessed to me. And for me, it was very easy. I'm thinking, I mean, they were really good people, just like they are now. I mean, they, they were just really good, and all of my family really looked up to them, and we desire to be like them. They're hard workers. They're accomplishing a lot in their lives, and my brothers and I weren't close to that. <laughs> and so when he told me that he, God needed to change his life, I'm thinking, well, gee, how much more me? And I listened to what they had to say. And I I needed that. But God just wasn't saving him and I just for us. It was so that we also would have a voice to tell others. He spoke to me, he witnessed to me, and then I witnessed others, as you did. And this is crucial in our Christianity, to tell others about what Christ has done for you and that he can do it for them. Our lives are radically changed, wasn't it, church? Radically changed. And we thank God every single day that whoever it was that spoke to you, you thank God for them. And now it's our turn to do that same thing, to let others know God can change your life. God can do a miracle in your life. Uh, 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 he He can change your life into somebody that you will not even recognize. Jesus told the disciples that to be his followers that they were going to have to drop what they were doing. He told them that they were going to have to deny himself and follow him. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, it says, Then Jesus said to all, Anyone who wants to follow me 
must put aside his own desires and conveniences and carry his cross with him every day and follow me. They were to put down their own desires and follow him. They, they were no longer pursuing their plans, but now they were to follow his plan. And in doing that, their lives are going to be blessed. In doing that, their lives are going to be changed. In doing that, their lives are going to be better. That's difficult. And it's even more difficult because what you and I do, we've all done this. God desires to do something in our life, but we want to do this. I'm talking about in Christianity now. God's trying to do something in our lives, and we say no. We don't tell God no, we just don't do it, right? We just don't do it. You know, I, I, you know God, I, this isn't a, a giving sermon, but God says tithe, and we say no. And we have all of our reasons why we say no. I can't afford it, I got this, I got that, and we say no. And then God can't bless our finances, but over time, we realize that our finances aren't getting any better, that we're not moving forward, and so then we go, okay, let me try paying my tithe, and let's see what happens. And then you begin to see God blessing your finances. You see at the end of the month, you, you sit there and go, how in the world did I make ends meet? I, I, don't know how, I don't know how it happened. I don't remember any extra money coming in. All I know is I'm breaking even, and I haven't broke even in years, but it's happening. You know, they're just things that God desires for us to do, and when we begin to do it, it works. God says, go to church. I remember the first week I was saved, I went to church four times. I didn't, I didn't even go to church four times in one year. Four times in one week. But in doing that, I was hearing the word of God. And the Bible says that by hearing the word of God, it, it cleans our mind, it cleans our hearts, and God begins to change us. And I began to go to more church and church and church and discipleships, and God changed our lives. As we did this, it opened the door for God to do that. And that was the process. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith. The writer of Hebrews says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. He says, get rid of everything, get rid of that weight, get rid of that thing that slows you down. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's stopping what God wants to do in your life. I was telling the church this morning that my wife, a few years ago, wanted to start a garden. So she asked if I would go and clear out a patch there so she could build a garden. She goes, you know, pull out all the weeds, and, you know, I said, okay. You know, I went out there and did it. And then she came out, she looked at it, she goes, did you pull all the weeds out by their roots? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, that's what I did. I, I don't know what that meant. All I know is it looked really good. And so she plants her garden. And she told me how to do it before I started. This is how you pull out weeds. 
and she had a little tool and you get it underneath and you pop it up when it comes up the you know the weed and all the roots come out and yeah 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 okay good I got it and just started pulling everything and got the dirt and turned it over and it looked nice uh, what happened though is after a couple of months is whatever it was she was growing her vegetables were growing so were the weeds that I left behind and and her garden had more weeds than it had anything else I didn't do it the way she wanted me to do it, and there was a price to pay for that. Um, I paid the price for that. <laughs> My wife is cute. She's gentle. But man, when she hits you, it hurts, man. <laughs> so there's a time where she doesn't hit me. Well, she did one time. I'm telling them. I know she's looking. She got so mad at me one time. We said, our, our house, we're sitting there, and there's a, you know, couches there, and she was yelling at me, and I stood up, and I go, what's your problem? This is, this is probably about 25, 30 years ago. What's your problem? Why are you yelling at me like that? And she's getting in my face. I go, don't, don't talk to me like that. And she, she kind of had her, you know, she turned her back on me, and I go, hey, don't turn your back on me. I'm talking to you. Oh, she turned around. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She, she turned around and went, bam. Man, I fell back on the couch. It was like. She just hit, I mean, she hit me. And I'm on the couch. If, I, if there wasn't a couch behind me, I would have been on the floor. I was so embarrassed. This little woman almost knocked me out. Don't, don't back her up. Whoever said that, how dare you? I behaved from that day forward. Except when I helped her pull weeds out of the garden. But uh, God always delights in involving you and I in his plans. He tells us how he delivered his people out of bondage in Isaiah. He delivered them out of Egypt in Isaiah chapter 43. And he did a lot for them. They were slaves, and he delivered them from slavery. And, you know, the Egyptians are chasing after them, and you know, the God opened up the Red Sea, and they got through, and then they're in the desert, and there's, you know, they're, they're following a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day because they had no idea where they were going, and, and uh, manna from heaven, food was coming because there was no food out there, and every day they'd wake up, and there'd be manna, there'd be a bread there for them to eat, and water coming out of a rock, and, and just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle in their lives. But then he says something very interesting to them in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. He tells them, but forget all that. He tells them, forget about all the things I've done for you. Forget about all the miracles you've seen. Forget about all of that. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Forget about it. Forget about it. Think of all the miracles God has done for you and I. Your personal life. God has done things for you that nobody knows, do they? They don't know. Your wife doesn't know. Your husband doesn't know. Your children don't know. Your parents don't know. Nobody knows what God has done for you. The finances that he has healed in your home. The marriage that he put together restored the relationship you now have with your husband the hope that you now have the peace that you now have 
the sins that God has forgiven you of that nobody knows about. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what you did. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Do you know? You know what God's done for you. You know how you used to think. You know the words that you've said under your breath. You know. You know everything. You know everything that God has done for you. Everything. That's why we're so grateful. That's why we are so grateful. And we appreciate so much what God has done for our lives because you don't know. I don't know what God has done for you. All I know is you are here this morning with your hands raised, worshiping God and thanking him because you know. And that's why I'm here. That's why my hands are raised. And that's why I've been serving God for over 45 years because I know what he's done for me. I know. But he says in Isaiah, forget about all that. Forget about all that. And I read that and I go, how in the world am I supposed to forget all of that? How? Why should I forget about all of that? Why should I forget about everything that God's done for me? Why? And then he says in verse 19, for I am about to do something new. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And he says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. That's why God tells us to forget. Because he's not through. He's doing something new for you right now, today, at this moment. There's something new. So no matter what your wasteland is, God's doing something new. No matter how dry it looks, there's a river. It's going to quench your thirst. It's going to meet that need. That's what God's going to do. He said, forget about everything else. Forget about what I've done for you. I'm about to do something new. Ah. That's why we worship him, isn't it? That's why we love him. Ah. We have to remember in order for us to experience the impossible, we have to face the impossible. If we can work it out, church, if we can take care of it on our own, why do we need God? If I can solve it, I don't need him. If, if, if I can restore it, I don't need him. If I can fix it, I don't need him. 
But we face things, church, that we can't fix. We come up against things that we can't restore. We come up against things that we don't have the answer for. We come up against things that there's nothing we can do about it. As much as we hope, there's nothing we can do about it. Remember my grandson Tank, when he was very, very young, he was very, very sick. And I remember I had him in my arms, and I went into my office, shut the door, and I just started praying and said, God, you got to heal him. you got to heal him. If, if, if you got to take this from him and put it on me, I really don't care. Then do that. But God, I need you. I need you to heal him. I couldn't do anything about it, but God could. God did. These are impossible things. It's all, it only works when you and I are faced up against impossible things. When we know there's no way out, when we know that wall, we can't climb over it, we can't go around it, we can't pass through it. It is then and only then when God steps in, then we know it was him. It wasn't your job. It wasn't your neighbor. It wasn't your mom. It wasn't your dad. It wasn't your brother. It wasn't your sister. It was him. Him. There's those walls that look impossible. Some of you have been trying to have a baby and it's not happening. It's impossible, isn't it? But God can do it. Lost your job. Didn't get into that school that you wanted to get into. Somebody's seriously sick. Looks impossible. You have serious financial needs. You hit some kind of emotional problem. As the worship team makes their way up this morning, Isaiah chapter 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. You don't see it? He says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Church, God has a plan for you and I, and it's always good, and we know that. But sometimes we hit that wall. We all do. In our Christianity, we all do. And it hurts. And it just looks like there's no way out. But God's promising you and I this morning There is a way out. And he's here for us. And he's going to help us. He's going to bless us. 
See, brothers and sisters, you always need to remember, as Christians, we do not live by the seat of our pants. That's not how we live. Our footing is sure. You and I stand on a rock. It's not slipping sand. Like others in this world live, it is solid. It's solid what we stand on. It's forever what you and I stand on. It's eternal what you and I stand on. We understand as Christians, nothing, church, nothing is an accident. Nothing. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how good it looks. I really don't care where you're at this morning. Nothing, nothing is an accident in our lives. Never. It's never an accident. Everything has a purpose. Believe that. Remember that. Everything has a purpose. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Church, I'll be speaking with you in a moment, but just for a couple of moments. I want to speak to those of you that are visiting this, visiting us this morning. I want to tell you we appreciate you. Here at New Harvest in Norwalk, we love our church. We love when somebody comes to visit us. We, we, we honor that. It means a lot to us. And this morning you're here and understand God wants to do a new thing in your life too. When the scripture says he's about to do something new that's not only for us, friend, that's for you also when you ask Christ into your life. He is about to do something new. Maybe you sit here this morning and whatever it is you're facing looks impossible. You need your life changed. You need to hear from God. Well, that's why you're here this morning. You're hearing from God. He loves you, cares for you. Jesus died on that cross for you the same way he died on that cross for us. But the Bible says that you need to open up your heart, that you need to open up that door, that you need to say, yes, God, help me. Yes, God, forgive me my sin. Yes, Lord, change my life. How does that happen? You raise your hand this morning and say, Lord, come into my life. By raising your hand, you're acknowledging God. And so I want to give you that opportunity, friend, if you're here and you want to ask Christ into your life, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand? You, your heart is far from God this morning, but he wants to change all of that right now. Right now. Friend, if that's you, raise your hand real quick. Raise it up. I just want to see it. Raise it up. Raise it up. Don't, don't leave this church the same way you came in. Don't do that. God bless you over here in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Others, would you join these? Would you raise your hand and say, I need Christ in my life. I need a new life. Friend, if that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Raise it up so I can see it. Raise it up real high. Raise it up. I don't want to change the order of this service until I'm sure that everybody that is here that does not know Christ as a personal Savior has made that decision. If that's you, friend, raise up real quick. Raise your hand. To those of you that raise your hand, 
I need you to do one more thing. There's people up here, and they're just going to pray for you. It's not going to be putting a microphone to your face and asking you questions. It's none of that. They're just going to pray for you. If you raise your hand, would you come down? Just stand up where you're at and make your way down, and they're going to pray for you here. They're just going to pray for you. That's all they're going to do. They're just going to pray for you. That's you. Just stand up, make your way down. We want to pray with you. To the church. God knows your situation. And he's about to do something new. But we all understand as Christians that we need to open up that door, don't we? We have to invite him into our situation. Say, God, I believe. I believe. And I need you this morning to help me. Help me through this wasteland. Help me through this dry place this morning. And you know that we do that here at the altar. This is where God meets us, right here. It's here where God meets us and talks with us and delivers us and helps us. So friend, brother, sister, if that's you, you need to, you need, you need to talk to God this morning. The altar is open. You need to stand up, make your way down, let God do that work this morning. You come. You have to come. You have to come here. You need to let God do that work in your life. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to. We've all been there. There's not one Christian that's not going to go through what you're going through. There's not one that hasn't gone through what you're going through this morning. You come. You allow God to do that work in your life. You come and let God do that miracle in your life.